Oh, hi there, Ryan. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> Why do I always have to be the one to initiate the hello? Because that's your job. What the fuck? This isn't Sadie Hawkins' dance. Isn't um, it? I thought that was part of the gimmick. Ryan, wake up. It's the 90s. Things you've, have changed. You've been wanting to say that all day. I know. All day. I really have. And now you've said it. Do you feel better? No. Do you feel alive? Do you feel you've been impactful? <laughs> Ryan, if I hear that Here we word, are back. I know, I know we talked about I gotta move my chair, but I can't fit my body. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't do well in the heat. Neither do I. I don't, I, yeah, I just, I don't do well. So can we talk about the little, uh, the little bris you had with our previous recording? Oh, episode yes. 69, the little snippety snip that you <laughs> took it upon yourself to, to do. Um. Okay, I won't say it. Let, let me just preface this. Ryan and I had a really nice, ballsy, meandering opening for episode 69. Yes. We took some professional risks. Yes. To put it lightly. And then Captain Scissor Sisters <laughs> <laughs> came through and got creative. I mean, ultimately, I trust I trust that you made the right decision. But yeah. I, I do think it's a good time to talk about... Because we've never... We, we haven't Why? really done... A lot of editing, maybe. For <laughs> maybe we should more often, but we we haven't. It was one time that we just didn't put out the podcast because oh. we were angry and we reflected and we reflected, and I remember that one. It was, it was right crazy. after right after Lynn. So it was like we Lynn sold the <laughs> studio like, on Tuesday and we like tried to record on Friday or something like that. Yeah. It was like right afterwards and it was just it was too soon. Yeah. And it just it the wound was too yeah. fresh. Yeah. Not that it was a wound, but the <laughs> the transition. Like, yeah. Yeah. Was was too new to talk intelligently yeah. about. Um and this was more that I feel like every time that we've gotten moderately risky <laughs> um with with what we've we've talked about um especially if it's involved another teacher or involved um someone else in the community Spe- specific things yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> i felt like that if the conversation was nuanced enough and the person potentially hearing the conversation, the subject of the conversation would maybe not agree with us, but certainly be able to understand where we were coming from. And sometimes when I listen, when I, my first impression, when I, we turn off the recording here and I go, um, back home for the evening, um, is that, Oh, we've, Oh, I'm going to need to like edit that shit. Really, I'm mean, going to need to do a lot of editing on that. And then I get home and listen to it and it 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 just it sound it, it is much more well reasoned than I imagined it and and we give a lot of caveats and we look at it from so many different sides that that it feels it it feels fine to put it out. And I felt that while certainly we did that this time too. The person who would potentially hear it, I don't trust them to hear criticism. So, to be clear for anybody listening, this was more of a uh, business we're referring to yeah. than an individual. Yeah. Like, so if you're like a yoga teacher or a friend or acquaintance of ours and you're like, oh my God, was it? No, Because no, yeah. that's what I would be doing right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, those fucking bastards. It, I, I can assure you it was not you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just decided to make a little snip 
And, um... And I respect it. I just hope that at some point, maybe once once more information comes out and things evolve, that it's something that we can address again. Yeah. If, it's, if it makes sense to. Yeah. Because um, I do recall, we. I mean, we were coming from a pretty, like, spicy place. Yes. It wasn't as spicy as you th- remember it in your head. Okay. But it was still spicy. Don't worry. There's still some spice. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But if it's... The whole point is if we grossly offend somebody, I feel pretty confident that we could sit down and have a conversation with a a person and have, have a conversation. We may not come to an agreement, but we can at least, like, have a conversation in a really respectful way. Um, but I felt like this was just spicy enough and that it wasn't worth attempting to have that conversation. Being as vague as humanly possible. The time will come. The time will come, for sure. For sure. Um, so, that's why I edited. Okay. I understand, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are at episode 70. Mm, we are 70. septuagenarians. Jeez. I know. And we had a lot left over from last week to talk about. It felt really urgent last week. And then... And it feels a little bit less so, but I still want to talk about it. Um, It's always important, you know, the old saying, strike while the iron is hot. It's just, there's so much truth to that in in your life. If you feel like an itch or an urgency to to take action, sometimes you just gotta... Yeah. You just gotta do it. Yeah. And I don't really mean that topically, like for unrolled... More for like. Well, we should also know that the number of things that are going to trigger us over the course of the <laughs> week to one time, like we we can't le- have things really, <laughs> because inevitably something that we wrote on the board last week is going to be totally like out of our mind. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like I I don't sustain rage. Yeah, it's just a. A wash. I have abundance of it, but I don't tend to to, to sustain it. Um, all right. So I want to talk for a moment about um, burnout. I wish we had theme music for the burnout segments. No. Well. Once we're not burnt out, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> How's your burnout? It's not good, Ryan. So I started hypnobirthing. So you just shook your head. No, it just sounded... Like... The way that you said that, it sounded like you were, like, having multiple births. <laughs> or I know. something like that. Or like I was kegeling. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> oh, have you? Are you doing it right now? <laughs> So I, I, I decided that that would be the class that I signed Nick and I up for. It's in Malden. It's a terrific... Is that right? Malden? Yeah. Sure. It's, it's a, a place. Ter- <laughs> it is a place. It's a terrific commute. And um, so we go around the room and introduce ourselves. It's like four or five couples. And uh, hypnobirthing is interesting. It is like the yogi's guide to to, to attempting nat- natural childbirth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's very very steeped in um, meditation, and even some of the the shapes I think they're going to talk about are mm-hmm. yoga based and. Uh, there's pranayam and there's framing and just you know it's it's I'm really excited I'm I'm only one in I'm only one session in and there's you know we're gonna meet five times total 
Um, but I had this moment where the instructor started talking about the subconscious and I, you know, I'm, I perked up and I'm excited and this is interesting. And, and then I remember that Nick, um, is a psychologist <laughs> Oh God! and I could sense, I could just sense out of the corner of my eye, him like shrinking and like a wall dropping down. And, um, I just, you know, he's, this is what he does. And yeah. he's in a place with, uh, you know, with a program that like dabbles in a little bit of like, I don't want to say that this sounds mean, but like it's psychologically based and there's schools of thought, but essentially it's like cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy, like yeah. tenants of that taken into the, this is how you give birth. And, um, this is rambling. I'm going to get to a point. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. worry. Uh, but I sensed, you know, him. And, and he's not the kind of person that would raise his hand and be like, okay, what you're describing isn't actually blank. Yeah. Like, that's not a thing. Um, but I did sense him, like, sort of shut down. And in that moment, I had this, I had this, oh, my God, I wonder how many times that happens in classes I teach where, like, Maybe a medical professional is in the room <laughs> or I'm saying something, you know, anatomical. I, I try to be, I, I really try to only say things that I'm, I am really fucking sure of. Yeah. You know, I'm willing to be wrong. If somebody corrected me, oh, that, that would be awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. But like, I, I don't, I, but I, but I know it's happened. Like there are people that come into your classroom that are fucking like neurosurgeons and like they know their shit and you're sitting there talking about like scapula, scapulae, you know, and like, you, <laughs> and I just, it's so easy to forget and to assume, um, just the absolute breadth of knowledge of the students that come into your room. Especially when, and I don't, I mean this like a little bit less, you know, just for other classes I've been in, where, where we start talking about like behavioral energetics and when we start talking about mm -hmm. uh, philosophy or when we start yeah. talking about history or mythology or we, we, we like sort of dabble in like 30 different fields, you know, teaching. Yeah, yeah. And then I think you, you probably have someone in this room that has a fucking doctorate in that. Yeah. So, you know, do... And it's a good reminder. Whatever is about to come out of your mouth, if there was somebody in the room with their doctorate in that specific thing, how would you feel ha saying it to them? Yeah. And if the answers feel great, then great. But if yeah. you're like, well, I don't know. I, I bet they'd have something to say about it. I think that that is a good flag or indicator that what you're saying deserves more scrutiny. Yeah internally and, and more research or maybe you just omit it um that being said i, I there's a graciousness in those people that come to your class and are experts but are just there for the yoga and they abide and endure the bullshit that comes out of your mouth that is nothing yeah. that is incorrect so for all of you, however, out there, I've, I'm going to caveat this. Doctors are the product. Most doctors are the product of the same education system that everyone else came from. Mm -hmm. So it medical doctors, but it's not so. It, it is not safe to assume that a medical doctor who's a neurosurgeon knows anything about the biomechanics of the knee and the hip. Well, so you're probably... No, I'm going to call you on that. I, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that their basic fucking anatomy that they had to do I, might I'm, supersede... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, you would think that would be a safe assumption, but it's not. Okay, so for <laughs> my analogy then... If you're going to start talking about neurotransmitters. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and how sensation is felt and, and the process of... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But 
they're not gods. They don't know everything in the... I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I once went to a doctor appointment recently because we were like, let's make sure you don't have pneumonia. Yeah, yeah. And the doctor fucking starts asking me questions about her ankle for yoga. She was like, I started doing these yoga things because I have an ankle problem. And she's like, look at this. Does this feel right? And I was like, is this fucking happening right now? <laughs> yes. I, I'm just saying, I've had I grew up around... Food. Doctors, I I just would not make any assumptions like that. And if they're coming to a yoga class, they're coming to a yoga class. Like there are things that like my mom has said that she's heard in class that is like, yeah, that's not that's not a that's that doesn't that's not a thing. But they generally are not. Um, I don't know if you're if you're a yoga teacher and you're engaged in practice and you're moving your body around like yes there are times where we probably all overstep our bounds in terms of anatomical knowledge but and philosophical and, and philosophical psychological. and psychological absolutely um and that's definitely something to be looked at in terms of making sure that what we're saying um is accurate even in its ambiguity yeah, or at least qualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all you have to do, I think, in my opinion, is my understanding of blankety blank blank blank. Yeah. And that is arguably sufficient. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. It's just such a privilege to have people's attention at the end yeah. of the day, to have... Anyways, we're going to enjoy hypnobirthing. It's going to be wonderful because I think it's fucking awesome. I, I really do. Um, Has Nick expressed this? Um... He just said, "It's this is CBT. This is CBT. And um, he has feelings about what even that means. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he values the value I place on sure. it. And I'm, I'm, there are definitely things that are going to come out of this training that will make him feel better about Sure, yeah. Whatever whatever's is about to down happen. The pipeline, you know? But it is funny, like, when when the topic of the subconscious comes up, comes he's up, he was like, like uh, yeah. Just like that. Uh huh. But I'm really excited because there's a nurse practitioner in the room, too. Oh, cool. And she. She's um, taking the course? She's or taking she... it. And I had a moment where I was like, well, what is she doing here? Because, you know, you think. Yeah, yeah. What? What do you need this for? Um, but just because you care for other people doesn't mean that when it comes to your own experiences, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, don't very need, different. you know, the fear and anxiety and like you've seen so much shit that it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. give me every freaking tool in the damn yeah. tool belt. That's very different. Yeah. All right, Ryan, what do you want to hit next? Um, what is this? Just put your head down. Ah, so I had many conversations with, with, um, other human beings last week about where the advice was given to basically just like do what you do and do it well and ignore everything else. And while I... appreciate that advice and think that there is some truth to that. Uh, I also had a conversation with, with a friend where we were talking about the, like, essentially the privilege of being like the yogi in the cave, like just off on your own, like doing your own thing over here and giving fuck all about what's going on in the culture at large. Um, and while certainly we all need times of like intensive practice and introspection and study and and all of this like this is not the time to disengage (laughs) from the culture at large like there's there's a really fine balance you can get totally overwhelmed and reactive about the culture at large which happens to me at least like five times a week um and yes, at that point, it's helpful to be like, no, this is my, my, uh, this is my current situation. 
this is what I'm working with. I'm going to do the best with what I'm working with. But that does not negate your concern for the culture. Because people that you are are working with and helping and teaching and they are in, in they that. exist in that culture. So you you have to you have to be somewhat well versed in what the fuck is going on. Well, here's my question. That's a little out of context. What are people telling you to do? No, no, it's not not to do any one thing with the studio, but just like to not keep your head down, keep your nose clean, you yeah, do you. Yeah, yeah. Implying that maybe you're spending too much energy worried about what's yes. going on out and there. And in that particular moment of reactivity, when I was sort of reaching out to people, um, that was the right advice. But upon reflection, I'm like, yes, that and was a moment of extreme reactivity. And it did turn into me just being, okay, I'm going to focus on what the fuck I'm doing right now with the studio and with my teaching and with my study and with all that. But... If you're making your living as a yoga teacher, if you don't have another means with which to make a living or other means with which to sustain yourself, and you're existing in this culture and making it your career, you inherently can't just be like, oh, well, that's that shit over there and I'm doing my own thing. Like, you don't have to go and tell those people that you think that they're wrong, but you have to at least put some hopefully small portion of your attention on like, what's that over there? Yeah. Not to like bash it, but to be like, why are they doing that? What are we collectively doing? Yeah, what are we like caring about the industry with which you're moving? Exactly. Because this is this is a very this is still a very new terrain in terms of a career for people in an industry and a business. Like this is this is still very much immature in its development. Um, and so, well, yes, like everyone, you know, I need to put as much of my energy into the studio and into practicing and into studying and blah, 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 blah. I also need to not lose the part of me that is sincerely interested in and curious about what other people are experiencing and doing. And so I, while I don't think that that advice was wrong in the moment, it, the reflection upon it was like that was just the neurotic side of caring about the culture. Yeah. That is that I am existing in. I can't be a, apart from. Um, I think in those moments, in those like yeah, yeah, high yeah. spice moments where yeah, you're yeah. like, ah, that's when it's like, okay, put your head down and just do yeah, yeah. what's right in front of you. Yeah. Not forever. Yeah, exactly. Until, until you regulate and then exactly. you can come back out and then you can absorb. And Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I, I how, had... how myopic if we didn't like, yes, but, it, but I do know people and respect people who, you know, really kind of take that approach where they just kind of like go off and do their own thing and they're you know have no clue what's going on in the rest of the yoga world and they just and it um it generally comes with some ability to not have to worry about money thank you i was waiting until you fucking said it i was gonna say who who except like that what a privilege to live in a protective bubble yeah. To be insulated somehow from the weather around you. Yeah. I mean, I... So I just hung out with an old buddy of mine from grad school, and we were talking a lot about writing and stuff, and it's, you know, it's like a lot of the things we were talking about was like a reminder that it's all the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's going on over here. And, you know, there's drama and intrigue and that writer got this award and is doing this and this person got that grant and got published here or this person's talking shit or this you know um but to not care would just imply that you could go off into a into a cave like in a scene and write a dead sea scroll and yeah have it be of worth to anyone I mean, to a certain extent, we do new pe- do 
need people who go off and do that because there's a level of practice and a level of study that is facilitated through that process of sort of being a like modern day version of yogi in the cave um but i think we just need to acknowledge the that 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 is that is a, a particular privilege to go and do that Mm. Yeah. To not have to do the. It also, I'm not really sure that that's possible with people who came up after and during the yoga boom. Well, it would be a privileged choice of an election to withdraw yourself. Yeah. Because it's just, and I'm I'm naming the yoga boom as like. Anywhere from like maybe two thousand seven to the fall of Anyasara. That's that's what I'm gonna call the yoga boom. Really? Yeah, I'm just gonna define that. Why? Why is that the end? Uh because I, I definitely saw that as sort of the beginning of the downfall of the like big traveling like teacher education modules and the and the sort of hype around Anyasara was, and the, the brands of yoga started to fall away, and it became much more individualized. Gotcha. And, okay, and okay. It, I can see something in there. So it might not be that, like, that happened and then it was all gone, but, like, that was definitely the... That was one of the watershed breaking points. Yes. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I still think we're in the yoga boom. It's just... It's just the money's going to big corporations, not to... Not to little individual, in, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a little less punk. Yeah, <laughs> less money in punk. Um, which I suppose I'm going to make a rocky segue from that into International Yoga Day. Uh. Uh. Ryan, why do we fuck? need an international? You know, I mean, there's there's all sorts of nationalistic reasons why this. You know, like, let's just put that aside. Let's talk about how people utilize this to do. You know, halo yegging, leggings challenge, hashtag us and International Yoga Day slash. Yeah, it's just like everybody just uses it as an opportunity to sell. Yeah. Or to do 108 sun salutations. Well, it's also the solstice, and those two things are coexisting. Yes, they are. It feels magical. Let's be positive. Am I being earnest? <laughs> Let's be positive for I can't, once. I can't. No, I you don't have, have to, it in the tank today. You have to You're going to have to pull, you have to pull out. You have to pull out a magic moment that you had. Ryan, I just... You... The magic moments happen in fucking class. You know, they happen at the end of class when you have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. They happen in your own fucking practice when you're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Magic moments do not happen anywhere else. And I feel like the magic moments are fucking private. <laughs> you were the one that brought up this magic moment thing. I'm just trying to keep it I know, because I pull it out of my tits every fucking week. <laughs> and this week, I'm not feeling it. I trust that there... It, it exists, and I've even had a few, but, yeah. like, I don't know. I'm in a dark, I'm in a dark corner, Ryan, I'm not going to lie. It's International Yoga Day. <laughs> How could you be depressed on International Yoga Day? Isn't that not yogic of you? <laughs> well, what does it mean? What? What are we celebrating? I, I don't, I don't know. Um... I mean, 
it seems that the actuality of what's being celebrated is the industry not the act of people practicing but I think that's a good point yeah um And I, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like, obviously people have to be promotional. There's no two ways about it. Like we live in a capitalist society. We have to promote, but if... I feel like the if we're going to promote what we're doing in our studios or on our mat or online or whatever, it has to be a conversation about like what value we derive from practice. And then attempting to describe in a classroom format what we're experiencing and how we're experiencing it via practice. A lot of time that comes out like very prescriptive, but it 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 really is a describing, and it and it um, doing our best to lead people down the same inquiry that we've just been led down, and it's kind of an impossible task. But we do the best we can, and if we derive value from that, then yes, that's something that in our studios and in our classes and that we can advocate for and quote-unquote promote. But it always gets back to, is the subtext, unless you do it my way, you're a piece of shit. Unless you're part of our community. Unless it looks like yeah. this. And that's the thing is, that, you know, I, I... So much of what I see, like... I, it's like, can't you just wake up one some days and be like, you know what? feel like shit. I'm sad. I'm angry. And I know that there, I absolutely know through my own practice that those are impermanent states. Like, things are going to shift and mm-hmm. but I just I, I am it is far more healthy for me to, for my first thought there to be, oh okay well I'm just sad and angry right now. Then, oh, but I'm supposed to be positive. I need to think more positive about this, that, or the other thing, or I need to find the... I, I, I don't know, I just... Uh, uh, so much of what is out there is just like... It just seems very... It seems dishonest. It might not be dishonest. There might be people out there who are just like that... happy. All the time. Are you one of those people? I mean, it seems dishonest <laughs> because I think for the most part it is. I'm sure that there are outliers... Yeah. ...that exist in the world that way, but... From what I know in my time on the planet, that's not the human condition. Yeah. And to pretend that it is causes a lot of harm. Yeah. And it causes harm on social media. 
in a big way. It causes yeah. harm in the classroom. It causes harm in personal relationships. Yeah. It causes harm in your relationship to yourself. Mm-hmm. When you constantly have to strive to perform yeah. and put on a mask and to reach certain benchmarks of both behavior and choices and the presentation of the two, yeah. how does it not? Yeah. And, like, now is more important than ever for us to just, like... Can we just be fucking, like, real with each other? Yeah. You know, it's so... It's so housewives of, like... It's so fucking Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. And to pretend it, you know... It's just... It it feels so backwards. And we pretend we've, like... You know, we took Barbie forward ten steps and then... Yeah. So, you know, I don't... I don't know what the answer is. I think yoga attracts a certain type of person for the most part. It's attracting a wider variety of them. Yeah. Which is a good segue for accessibility in yoga. Yeah. It's, you know, we're seeing more and more people... Yeah. From different backgrounds, different ages, different bodies, coming in the door, bringing different perspectives and calling people out on their shit, thank God. But I think from the yoga boom you're describing, it was a massive beacon and a magnet for a very, to some like... Yeah. Which is not, you know... To some types of people. And I also don't want to make it sound like... It isn't helpful to have some some cultivation of of positive outlook, like because because to just shut that out completely, I feel like is also disingenuous. But the only way to actually do that is to be really fucking uh, uncomfortably close to the thing that is pulling you away from that positive outlook. Like, to actually... Because otherwise it's just another should. I should be thinking this way. I should be happy. I should be this. I should be that. As opposed to just recognizing that I'm really angry right now. An hour later, wow, I feel really great. And to be, you know, equally not suspicious of that. Because I can be, I can, like, get, I can pull that down real fast. Um... So it's it's not a oh this heat Jesus keep talking yeah well you know the thought I think of two things one is I should be grateful I should be comfortable with how things are and happy always. Perpetually, even in the unhappiness, you know, that, that yeah, sort yeah. of insidious subtext. Well, there, there is, I mean, there is a notion of contentment. Yeah, but that's different than then, happiness. Yes, but the two often get conflated. Yeah, totally. Um, and... You know, but I think people are afraid to put different messaging out there. I think it goes back to marketing. Like, I, I think there are people that are like, you know, as a yoga teacher, or I, I would like to be more forthcoming about my yeah. take on things. But I risk alienating students. And I, what I, my yeah. thought to that is you, what you really risk is alienating students that would value you the most. By not being honest. Yeah. You know? So what you're doing is a really good job of being mediocre. (laughs) You're doing a real great job of mediocrity. Yeah. Uh, 
to connect with the people that you maybe arguably should be connected yeah, with. Yeah. Uh, you have to be be not afraid to put up your fucking flag. Yeah. So, um, accessible yoga. Recently in, not that recently, but like a, probably a month ago, there's a hubbub because Target used a picture of a plus-sized dancer leaping, leaping through the air in her like tar- Hanuman. Yeah, she was in like a Hanuman. I don't know what the, I don't know what it's called in ballet, but she looked like a ballerina yes. to me, and. Um, she was in a larger body, and she was wearing Target athletic wear, and they made no mention of the fact that it's plus size. It was just a straight up Target ad. Yeah, yeah. And you know, most of the voices are like, "Woohoo! It's great!" And then some of the voices, and this is on uh, the yoga teacher who shared it was like super excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And he was sharing it because it was cool to him, and I thought so too. Uh, and then out of the woodwork. Creep in the people that are concerned. Concerned for her well-being. And then came a nutritionist. A nutritionist. A self-identified nutritionist who said, this is promoting and normalizing obesity. This is a professional. This is why... This is... And... and This is why we should be careful about wanting to be a profession. This it is, and I, I reflected on my recent experience at the doctor, um, getting measured. You know, they measure your belly uh, to for for you know the baby's growth or whatever, and I go in able to articulate my beliefs and to stand up for myself if I feel. I'm working with a doctor that... Yeah. Whatever. Um, And, uh, you know, all the midwives are wonderful, but the doctor did some fat shaming. um, And... Ryan, it was really fucking hard. I had to sit in a doctor's office and explain to him some things that I had worked through with other professionals on his team. And... You know, his main focus is the BMI, which yes. in 20 fucking years is going to get thrown away. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I took a lot of energy in that room to remain composed and to try to get adequate health care despite being in a larger body. This is a really real fucking thing. Yeah. Um, and when I go home, though, and I see Nick and I have to tell him what happened, I, I crumble. And it's just... Yeah, it was yeah. just it was painful. And I thought about this nutritionist saying publicly on a yoga teacher's wall that this was encouraging obesity. This photo of a joyful woman in motion was was encouraging obesity. And m- the first thought I had in my head is, no, this, this ad is inviting people to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was like that. It's inviting Because I saw it and it... And I'm sure there are people that look at my body and think that yoga teacher is encouraging obesity. And first of all, I like at the end of the day, I don't give a flying fuck. Yeah. What size anybody is. It is an intimate yeah. and personal and political thing. And the thing I care about most of all is that anybody, whether they're struggling with eating disorders um, and they're, they cannot maintain a body weight or somebody who's struggling with being in a larger body and, and for them it's a struggle and people everywhere in between that are celebrating the fact that they're in a big body and the people that are celebrating they're saying, well, all of it's fucking fine but the thing that I care about is like just that everybody's invited to the table that's all I care about. Yeah. Do you feel invited to move? And movement I believe is fucking healthy Yeah. so if you want Now I'm speaking to the nutritionist. If you want to quote-unquote discourage obesity, you need to not fucking shame people 
into moving their body publicly. Yeah. Because right now, the signal she sent to that chain, that chain of fucking yogis, is those fat people better do whatever moving they're doing privately because I don't want to see it because it's not yeah. healthy. So so they should, whatever workout routine she recommends to her clients, she wants them doing it in a fucking pillowcase in a basement somewhere. <laughs> don't you dare wear clothes that are comfortable. Yeah. And don't you dare be seen. Yeah. And I thought we were done. It's like one of those things where it's like every time I think we've turned a corner with accessibility yeah. and yoga or body positivity or, you know, whatever, whatever your fucking beliefs are. Whenever I think that it's okay to be in a larger body and exist publicly, a fucking professional comes out of the woodwork and says something really ignorant. Yeah, yeah. Well, can I segue to Jay's podcast? Or? Do it. Okay. Did you listen? No. Okay. I gotta catch up. You gotta catch up. I'm behind. So, so the one thing that I was so this was a this was a panel discussion. Um, at uh, the Accessible Yoga Conference, which I believe happens like twice a year, um, one on each coast, um, and it was a panel discussion on ageism and ableism. So Jay was moderating, and it was a panel of, of teachers, um, and so it was it was just a live recording of the of the panel that he put out, um, which for the most part was really great, but I did have this moment, a couple moments, where I was like, to me the thing that allows me to make yoga accessible is to throw out not throw out to be really skeptical of every method that I've ever been taught and to really try and understand the like active ingredient of the things that I'm I'm doing with people because if I have any and I catch myself doing this all the time just in terms of like simple instruction like oh they don't actually have to do it that way in fact, they that it doesn't seem to be working them at all. That was just like old garbage that I picked up from this method or that method. You know what I mean? Like yep. when you have those moments, and and a lot of the stuff tend to just felt like maybe not. It wasn't like directly pointing to Iyengar or Stanger or anything, but it just felt like everybody had a very uh, had a method of of making their yoga accessible, which I'm all for. I don't know how to say this. But the second that you fixate around a way to do something that is yours, uh, for me anyway, I guarantee you, the moment that I start to do that, the next day someone will walk into this office that just blows it blows it out of the water. And... I can't really make yoga accessible unless I'm thinking really simply about what I'm doing. And the second I try to like put it into, and like there were, there was a lot of talk about koshas and chakras and meridians and things. And I was like, that stuff is generally very, that understanding is super, super helpful for me to understand these different mappings of the body because sometimes it does give me like a clue in to how I'm going to start with a person. But you better believe I know how to say that very, very simply without talking energetics. It could just be about an area of the body or a particular talking about asking them what they feel in an area of the body or whatever it is. I may be using those maps in the back of my mind, but I'm not necessarily outwardly verbalizing it. I'm just, there's a person in front of me, they're going to breathe and they're going to move. And we're going to see if there is some relief that arises from that, be that physical, emotional, mental, or otherwise. And... The second that I try to, like, this is the protocol, 
it, well, that's, that's, I should be clear. Uh, you can absolutely have a protocol. I just get suspicious when it's pose related. Because there may be highly reliable places to start, but a lot of the classical, not classical, a lot of the typical yoga poses generally aren't the right place to start. <laughs> it's like simple movement, simple positioning of the body, understanding the actions that can take place, looking and, and seeing where there's tension, where there's um, issues, and asking where there's tension and where the person is feeling something. Uh, that is, uh, That feels way more like the conversation of accessibility. And if it's coming from one particular bent, one particular system of yoga... It's an incomplete discussion. Um, it's also a, it becomes an exercise in product. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I didn't feel like the whole pocket. I didn't feel like everyone on the on on the panel was like that. But I did feel there was a like. I I, w I wanted a more nuanced layer of what was going on. Oh, I'm so excited to listen to it now, Ryan. Um, and. Jay, I don't fault you. This that was not the the fault. I'm not saying that that was the fault of your moderation of the, <laughs> of the pot, but I I just there's a deeper unpacking that needs to happen. So here's my question, and if this is not related, sure, shut it down. But my, my even first if it, gut, if it's not related, I might decide to go with it anyway. Anyways, <laughs> um, so my first instinct, based on not having listened, but everything you're saying. Um, makes me think of some of the squeamishness I get when I hear about different trauma sensitivity trainings, <laughs> when I hear about 12-step uh, sure. yoga and recovery trainings and modalities, when I hear about, um, you know, plus-size yoga, uh, here's how to do it, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think what it really is, if I take a step back from my reactivity around it, it's really what I'm responding to is marketing. Because yeah, yeah. I think what happens is well-meaning, intelligent gifted and compassionate teachers um, become deeply passionate and focused and well-versed in an area. Mm -hmm. But that area is not necessarily, needs to be projected to the mainstream in order for them to be able to make a living. Yeah. And so in order for them to, A, become sustainably professional mm -hmm. yogis, they actually their hand is forced sure. to create this methodology. And I believe that everybody does it because they look around and they say, well, they do it there. Well, yeah. That was successful. That was a good formula. I'm going to do it here. Now, I'm, I'm not letting them off the hook completely because I think there's a lack of creativity mm -hmm. in that. It's a, oftentimes it's just a gesture. It's an economic gesture of how do I make. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't actually think that, um, I don't know how many of these people on the panel actually make their full-time living from teaching yoga. Um, so I don't know that this is relevant to the people on the panel, but it's certainly relevant to the broader conversation of accessibility. Of accessibility, yeah. Um, uh, but... It's just everybody's sending up a flare saying, yeah. I'm here and there are others like me. Yeah. I'm here. Pay attention. Somebody, yeah. somebody serve, serve this segment of the, yeah. of the fucking population. But I, I guess there's like an under, the, to me, there's like something that under, underlies that where the conversation could actually be happening. Like the, the top level, like yoga for this, yoga for that is, is, is well-meaning for the most part. But, like, underlying that is this simple, like, what is actually going on when we're practicing yoga? Even if it's ambiguous, even if it's hard to describe, what is actually going on when I, me, Ryan, is practicing yoga? And can I, through my observations, begin to figure out a way to communicate that to other people? 
And in communicating with other people, I'm going to bump up against a shit ton of stuff that is I can't personally experience. Someone who under has gone through a significant trauma, someone who uh, has a uh, injury in a way that I have not had before. I'm going to come up against these things, and then through study and through communication with the other person, we're going to figure out a way that they can work. Because again, this specific set of poses that you do is not doesn't really constitute the yoga practice. There's certainly skills and forms that can be learned, but the inquiry into what you're experiencing is is the actual yoga practice um and and certainly there are techniques and there are, there are things that are you know uh especially on the meditation side of thing that things that has have like very specific purposes and but like on the modern postural yoga side of things that is not you can use triangle pose for whatever the fuck you want to use triangle pose for like it doesn't you know, uh, it's just a matter of where you're taking your attention, where you're taking your focus in that form. Um, so uh, there's just a there's just a deeper conversation about what the active ingredient, like what the thing that we're, the, what is the thing that we are doing? What is the mechanism that we are uh, um, tapping into that brings benefit? And however we you know, whatever skills and practices that we've learned and that we found to be useful, uh, we are using those to access whatever that is in, in another person. Um, and that is that like ridiculously hard to do in a group setting. Absolutely. But, uh, I, I just, if we generalize accessibility, then it's no longer accessible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> start closing doors. Yeah. It's, it's, wow, yeah. I took way too long to get to that conclusion. Boom. <laughs> yeah. You took the long way there, but it was worth it. Yeah, it was worth it. Um, Oh, it's a magic moment. And and you know the other thing about the because that was that was of course a topic of uh, one of the topics there was was ageism and ableism and their in intersection. I, I had spent the whole time thinking about um, being in Barbara and Patricia's classes and there being like you know fifty five to seventy plus year old women who are way more able-bodied than I could ever hope to be. I mean, way more adept at the practice of asana. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think they addressed this on the, like, you know, you, you, you can't assume that just because someone walks in who's, who's clearly older that they're not, like, got a real... Fancy. Got a real fancy practice going on. No, no more could you assume that some, you know, 21-year-old walks in the door is going to be necessarily doing some high-flying Ashtanga-inspired practice. Like, you just, you know, it, it's, uh, but that's what struck me as interesting, at least about the, always strikes me as interesting about the ageism is that there, there is always this like well, we have to include seniors and like well yes but what you're you, really saying uh, is something yeah yeah like what you really are saying is that they can't do things and the, that's just not true the, same uh, thing with larger bodies like, yeah there yeah are, <laughs> there's some big strong yeah. integrated yogis out there you know and you know but it's like oh just make sure it's fat friendly make sure it's size well what the fuck does that mean exactly because someone may may have already done the work of figuring all that out. <laughs> so you don't actually have to do a lot. You can just treat them like a human being and teach the yoga class. And they might be just fine. <laughs> like, Yeah. Because arguably that's that's actually one of the more painful things is to yeah. come in and have a, have a teacher size you up based on... Yeah. Some assumptions they made. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, Ryan. 
Oh, Kate. It's heat. You know, it's not great. Um. So please, you know, share if you've had any experiences in class where you feel like a teacher has assumed things about your body. Or your love experience. Love to hear that. <laughs> yep. What are you going to say? I said, or your experience. Is there, like, a rest of that sentence? I'm confused. <laughs> no, no, no. To assume something about your experience of oh, what's going on. Oh, gotcha. I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> did he take the needle off the record? Like, <laughs> ah, yes. Yes. Um, or, if you are a professional and you've of some something and you went into a yoga class... Tell us your experience of the teacher saying something that rubbed up against your expertise. Yep. I'd, I'd love to hear that, for good or for bad. Yep. Uh, I'm just really curious about people's experience in general with medical professionals as yeah. yogis and how. Well, th- I mean, any friction that's yeah happened there. I've had interesting. Uh, encounters too with um not so much at bow street but at at back bay this would happen pretty often with med students who uh there was there was one moment i remember i was actually coming in to teach a class and like another class was finishing up and there was like a there was like a a group of friends who they were all um med students and uh the other teacher like they were someone was asking about an injury and the I forget who the other who the previous teacher was but she was like oh you should ask Ryan about that and so she came up and asked me about it and um, it was sort of your typical someone complaining front of the shoulder pain probably from too much chaturanga up dog vinyasa type activity it was was not an uncommon pattern um but her first thought was like, the first thing she suggested was like, yeah, I'm probably just going to go get a uh, steroid shot. And I was just like, I don't know. My teacher's a body worker and a chiropractor. He works up in Watertown, takes insurance. Why don't you go see him first before you get a steroid shot and just see what he says? Um, and she's like, oh, <laughs> I would never go to a chiropractor. This was a med student? Yeah. She's like, they've told us so many bad things about chiropractors. And I just said to her, you know what? I grew up around doctors. There are great physicians out there in the world, and there are shitty ones. There are great chiropractors out there in the world, and there are shitty ones. Doesn't matter. (laughs) And how was that received? Uh, With shock. (laughs) So, you know, I... I, I, uh, I very much am grateful, and and um, especially recently, my encounters with with uh, medical professionals who acknowledge their uh, ignorance. I don't mean that in a bad way. Just the acknowledge the shit that they just do not know scientifically to be true about the human body. Um, this and acknowledge the assumptions that they used to make, um, and uh, how those assumptions are and those procedures are not necessarily practical um uh so recently i've had more positive experiences with that but like this is a complicated system going on here there's nothing wrong with being like hey well we don't there could be any number of things we're going to check this out and we might not you know they may not find an answer that's the truth of the medical profession is that an answer is not always at the end of the rainbow. At the end of the rainbow. That's why they, you know, have the word idiopathic. <laughs> it's like, oh, we don't know. So we're going to give it this word instead of saying we don't know. So the power, the power, the power structure and dynamic in in the doctor's office is, is a big one. Yeah. 
and but we as yoga teachers should be taking the same approach of like well i i don't know but but here are some let, let's try some things out and see absolutely because i do know in that situation when people come up to me i i do say like well why don't you just not do chaturanga and like lay off the weight bearing for a week and just see what happens because a lot of the time it's gone um so like i feel comfortable delivering that that piece of advice but um Yeah, I don't know. There's just it. There, I I totally get the because I don't really know how we got here. I totally get the medical professional thing and realizing that there are people in your classroom who are way smarter than you are in any number of topics. But at the same time, they also chose to come to take a yoga class. No, I know. And also to tie it back around, when you're in a doctor's office, it's important to fucking advocate yourself and to speak up. And the same. That same humility that I experienced was a good reminder to me as a yoga teacher that, like, I, it's a fucking privilege to stand in front of yeah. a group of people. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, and it's a fucking privilege. And, yeah. So, it's interesting because this, this conversation sort of like unwinded itself around honoring the fact that there are people in your class that might have like some serious knowledge in an area yeah. that you're like doing a toe dip in and you might walk into their office and they might ask you about their ankle. Yeah. Absolutely. Or fat shame you. I don't know. <laughs> Either way. We're all fucking damaged goods. Yeah. This has been unrolled. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> unrolled podcast at gmail.com unrolled podcast on instagram and facebook and uh unrolledpodcast.com uh and i think that's about it star us email us i want some stories i want some stories um and take good care see you soon bye, bye.